Hi there, this is Cindy Tonkin. I'm the Consultant's Consultant. I work with data science teams, helping them work even smarter, faster and nicer. If you're brilliant and you want to be even better, this is the podcast for you. So let me officially welcome you to the podcast. And now, Nick, I've forgotten your last name. Not Ryan. It's the common Irish background. Nick Ryan. Nick Ryan. He and I, Nick and I have just uh, I've just met, but we have lots of people in common. Uh, and so, Nick, you might, maybe you should tell me, tell us who you are and what you do. Give us a Okay. Um, oh, starting at the, the beginning, like the sound of music, a very good yeah. place to start, right? Mm-hmm. I um, was I grew up on the Central Coast, New South Wales, um, played a lot of basketball, uh, wanted to play basketball overseas, wasn't tall enough or good enough, mainly not good enough, but um, was good at, fairly good at maths. And so I ended up um, getting a scholarship to do actuarial studies at the University of New South Wales. Because basketball uh, are, and actuarial studies, they're just like they're twinned, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell the guys here, it's like, oh, you know, you need to have a backup plan. You need something more than the fish and chip shop. Yeah, and yeah. They, they tell me to go away. And so, oh, you yeah, know, three of them are now playing college in the States. So because they had, <laughs> so, yeah. so I, I had a backup plan. Maybe if I didn't, I would have gone on to bigger things. No, yeah, you so. didn't take enough, big enough risk going into material <laughs> studies. Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up working as, a, as an actuary for um, you know, a long time, different insurance companies. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there was a bit of uh, reserving, which is it, but also the, the pricing work and some of that modeling work. And this mm-hmm. was just at a time when data sets started getting a bit wider and we had to do mm-hmm. some more statistics and more uh, programming. And it was really the early days of, of data science in yeah. sort of the mid mid 2000s before there was such a thing mm-hmm. when it was still statistics and we weren't paid very much money um and so yeah i, was, I, I did that and then um yeah some really interesting projects like uh reinsurance uh pricing and pricing for fire and theft and natural hazards mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff rating zones and so yeah really really had a good time doing that and then was drawn into into banking and so banking mm-hmm. building uh, risk models and credit risk scorecards for you know cba and a whole bunch of different lenders across mm-hmm. um, australia and so um, did that for a while, then worked for a credit bureau um, and building their internal risk models and also consulting to different lenders all over the place, again, building risk models. And so um, fell into this thing that was data science uh, uh, from, from there. And so I've been doing that ever since. And um, I was the, um, the head of data science for Nimble Money as well. I, a uh, guy gave me a call with a, and then gave me a plane ticket and said, come, come and chat to us. And I did. A call and a plane ticket. Why not? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so you've been uh, firmly entrenched in the, in the numbers around money for a long time. Yeah, also um, did like a, a recommender system for online advertising and done a bit of agriculture So stuff you've done it across the board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, what, what, are you doing, what are you doing now? So at the moment, um, there's a few things on, on the go. Um, one is uh, one, of my, one of my friends, he's actually, well, he was a, he was a client, but he's a friend just as all, yeah. all, my, all my clients. Who knows become. how to distinguish the two? Yeah. <laughs> so, but, uh, he's over in the, the UK and so um, I help him out with, with strategy and also some project stuff. But he, what he's doing is he's trying to apply um, artificial intelligence and data science, machine learning uh, to uh, project management. So really transforming the project management industry. So uh, mm-hmm. to date, there, there has been you know spreadsheets tracking stuff and um, the same mistakes he saw being repeated again and again. And so mm-hmm. he's taking a data-driven approach to project management, um, major, major construction, major highway projects, and stuff mm-hmm. like that, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. And he's actually um, now uh, he's just just got the green light for what is a, a data trust in project management. So different companies contribute their data all together, anonymized data, and they can collectively learn from the lessons of what went well what didn't in different projects which wow. is really cool yeah. really really stuff. Yeah. Like this is world first type stuff and so to be on the journey with him with this is just such a privilege yeah. and he's a heck of a nice guy and so his, his company's projecting success and um yeah I, I think it's going to be big i think it's going to be absolutely transformative for the project management industry wow so, wow yeah. cool I can't take credit because I haven't, I've just said, you know, cheered and good work. I'm involved. And all that. Yeah, but I, just, I just like hearing about what people, I, I literally yesterday I was talking to a client uh, in a drug company. I was like, oh yeah, I've been working with data science people. And she was like, what's data science? And I'm like, oh, well, get me, let me just give you some examples. And every time I, <laughs> like I was just listening to a podcast, a McKinsey podcast this morning where they're talking about, um, you know, what is data science? And it's like, oh, here's some cool examples for the real people to learn what data science is. Uh, 
Last week I listened to a podcast, a Farnham Street podcast, and uh, they were saying there's a hedge fund who have replaced one of their board members has been replaced by an algorithm. There you go. <laughs> well, you know, a robot-y artificial intelligence decision-making yeah. machine as one of their board members. It's like... Yeah, I, I can definitely see that heading that way. That it, will be, it, it won't be so much like us and them. I can see it would be us working with, with yeah. the machine, the yeah. that kind of thing. So yeah, because there's so many things that are just the same process. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. And some of the lessons from the past. So, so Martin, for instance, over, over there is looking at, um, you know, even, even things like uh, companies and, and they might be doing a similar type of project mm-hmm. again, again, but again, the lessons aren't learned. And so they make the same mistake 10 times. And, and if you have a data driven approach to it, uh, it does take some of that judgment of humans out of it. So it's about making the computers do the stuff that computers are good at and the humans good the stuff, mm-hmm. the judgment that they could add with the, the right information to make these decisions. Totally. So it's not killing project managers, it's just sort of enhancing them. It's a project manager 2.0 type thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, well, there's so many, we could, so many things I could say. But let me ask you some questions because it's all about you. Um, okay. How do you, other stuff, how yeah. do you <laughs> what do you do to work smarter or faster? What, do you, what's, what are your you know, productivity hacks or... Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's 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 a lot that I do um, as well as that. So um, one of the other things that I do is there's a, an AI consulting company in Brisbane, and yeah. so I work with them on different projects. Um, they've got a bit of a gap between um, uh, some some as a lot of places do, junior staff and CTOs and not really um, a technical manager in the middle. So I, I help them on advise them on different projects and things and also so dive so into. So are you kind of coaching them on skills as much as are you doing, or teaching and coaching? What's the I'm both. Kind of whatever, kind of whatever needs to be done, yeah, which is cool. And um, also there's, um, yeah, so the university in the States, uh, UC Berkeley, has me as a course leader for one of their um, practical machine learning courses. Yeah, so it's good fun. Um, You're working all around the world from from paradise. Yes. I'm pretty lucky because I'm I'm a surfer and out my back gate is the surf. So I could literally walk with my board under my arm and go surfing. (laughs) <laughs> which I do every day. Um, yeah, so yeah. it's pretty, pretty lucky there. Um, so that helps you work smarter because it's basically getting you all zen, right? It's actually zenning out. And also um, I missed a lot of my kids when they were younger. Like I really did because I was, I was working a lot. And um, so I didn't really see them for you know, five years. So I was traveling a lot. I was working a lot, even to and from work was a, a lot. So I, I try not to miss anything that they've got going on. So if they're karate classes or basketball or aerial acrobatics or whatever the heck they're doing, I, yeah, I try yeah. to make sure I'm a part of it. So uh, that's that's pretty special for me mm. uh, as well. And so I'm trying to fit my work around my, my kids. But what I found to be really successful is I have like a Kanban board for myself. Yep. So for what I need to do for a week and I'll lock it in. So I'll work out the hours I need to work and I'll lock it in. I'll make sure that my surfing is there, make sure my gym is there, make sure my basketball is there, make sure yeah. my kids' activities are there and then come to my work. And yeah. I know that if I've got a certain amount of hours that I can do a day before I go nuts mm-hmm. and that's it, I just swear it away. And yeah. so I'm, I try to do too much in one day or in one week but I still um, manage to get like a heck of a lot of work done. Yeah, so yeah. I'll... I'll still have meetings at seven o'clock or eight o'clock at night, but I may have had like an, an hour gap before them or that sort of thing. So, or, uh, yeah, cause in England they'll start at about eight o'clock at night for me. And yes. so, um, yeah, it, it's about all about the balance, I think, cause the reality is I'll still be doing this when I'm 80. And so yeah. it's a marathon. Not a sprint. Exactly. Yeah. It is a marathon, not a sprint. Oh, I love it. <laughs> all of these things yeah. are music to my ears. It's how I work too. It's like, you know what? I'm going to take Friday off and do something deliciously good make some art or you know sing some songs or whatever and then yeah because that's what life's about right i think so and wednesdays and i have never been friends i've I've never what is about you and wednesdays tell me the story why is wednesday such a bad thing I just don't know what it is with Wednesdays. I guess it's not like um, Tuesdays where you've got all the specials and you can go out and eat really cheap and everything like that. And Thursdays you're getting close to the weekend and you probably go to a bar as well and they'll have like, you know, a jug of margaritas or something, you know. So it's, it's Wednesdays like the nothing day right in the middle and I try not to, um, I try not to do too much on a Wednesday. So um, Wednesday morning, for instance, I yeah. Yeah, took my kids to the beach, several beaches actually, a couple of beaches and different parks and just had a, had a coffee with them and they had ice cream and that's kind of like my, my Wednesday right. morning. Nice. Yeah. 
Yeah, so um, it's, it's all right. But I, I'm probably going to drop dead on a Wednesday. I think Wednesday is probably uh, going to be a bad day for me forever. So I try to... Right. So, <laughs> so when you're 80 and you're still working, you will still be not working. Maybe you just don't work on Wednesdays. That's right. Yeah, I try. Well, yeah, I, I try not to do too much on on, on a Wednesday. Um, but yeah, I, but working for yourself, you do have that flexibility. Yeah, just it's a beautiful you know, thing, isn't it? Um, so we've talked about your routines basically by talking about that. You've been in the data industry for a long time. Uh, yeah. Talk to me about what makes a good data person in your experience. I look. I think a lot of the the skills can be commoditized. Like mm-hmm. I really do think with mm-hmm. the. Um, the online learning and the way that education is really democratised, anyone with a laptop can learn these things. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, what we're doing is not really picking up the latest and greatest technology. We're still trying to solve business problems. Yep. And that's why my, my grounding in, I think, in actuarial studies has really yeah. helped me to try to work out like where the cash is, where the dollars are. And if I'm going to go down this path, does this mean that uh, I'm going to be, uh, you know, the net effect of this is saving $27.50? Do I spend six months on it or are there bigger fish to fry? And even in rapid prototyping as well. So if something needs to be done, I I tend to work in two-week sprints. So I want to get a minimum viable product out in two weeks because that's good for the customers, it's good for me, it's good for everyone. Mm -hmm. And so I've seen examples where you can get a pretty good model out in two weeks and maybe a couple percentage uh, increase in accuracy might take you another few months. And so uh, often for for a first yeah, that's right. It's, it's, that's it. Let's uh, see how it goes and let's implement it and let's see what happens. And then we can improve it over time. And, and everyone's kind of happier that way. You don't need to spend six months or more building something perfect when you can get something out the door pretty quickly and iterate on that over time. So those sorts of quick wins are really what I'm, what I'm after, what I'm chasing. Mm-hmm. And, and I think people, yeah, go on. Well, just people who can identify that and people who can articulate that are very valuable um, and as opposed to someone who's technically brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't necessarily do that. Um, what, about, what about how do you recruit when you've recruited people for a team, um, which I assume you've done? Have you? Yep. Should ask that question first. <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you look for? How do you test for those things? What are you? What kind of questions yeah. do you ask? The well, the the way that to, that I've had most success with doing it in the past is you you do need to have a technical tests, but not make it so hard that people are trying to bite their tongue and bleed to death while they're doing it, just to make it so that there's a basic level of mm-hmm. skills that people need yeah. to have to be successful in the job, otherwise they're going to be hitting their head up against a wall. So it's, you know, your basic SQL, maybe basic scripting languages, and mm-hmm. you're really just looking for their problem-solving ability at that stage. Mm-hmm. But it's a great filtering me- mechanism as well, because maybe only 60 to 70% of people will return that tech test too. So um, that, that's good. Then you, you can have a look at some of those. So say you, you might get, um, uh, say, 50 applications. Um, maybe you'll, you'll only have about 25 or, or 30 people giving them back to you. And then, then maybe, say, uh, you can pull out five or ten of them that you think are really good. You can see the logic of how they're working out things to be quite good. And so then it's all about once they're in the door to, to prove how passionate they are. If they're, and the simple test for me is, uh, is this person as pumped and excited about data science as I am? And if they are, tick, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so pumped and, and excited I- is an important thing. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, um, it's interesting because yeah. uh, I've been asking this question now for, I think I've done about 20 podcasts now. Uh, and um, uh, one of my friends, Glenn Bell, who's a data person, he, he said, I'm just looking for someone who's not sleepwalking through life. <laughs> 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 if they're sleepwalking through life, sorry, you just that's right. Just you don't even pass. So passion is is the yeah. other end of that spectrum of I'm not sleepwalking. I'm actually passionate about it. Cool. I'm after, I'm after crazy hand gestures and after them like you know, gesticulating, going, "Yeah, oh, this is awesome. I'm so good. I'm so, I'm so happy. <laughs> Thank you so much." And yeah, and then I'm like, "This person's excited. This person's cool. This person's in." And uh, in, in terms of education, I don't care if they haven't finished high school. I really yeah. don't. And because um, some of the best people I've worked with mm-hmm. uh, are credentials, they, they've either learned through online courses, or you know, there was, a, there was a software developer who was a landscape gardener who, who picked up software development. He was awesome. You know, yeah. one of my former bosses, he was a CTO, and, and he had a, a degree in classical Greek literature. You know, like so. So just because someone doesn't have the right credentials, I don't think you slam the door on them. I think that's. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, yeah. if they pass the technical test and then they pass the passion test. They're in. That's good enough. Yeah, as far as, yeah, as far as I'm saying, they're in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Um, talk to me about professional development. How do you? What do you do to keep yourself current, or to you know, 
develop. Um, I guess I'm really lucky, I guess in the same way that you are, where it, when you're consulting, you get to see a lot of places and what they're mm. doing uh, all around the place. And you speak to a lot of people and you can see what's happening and you can say, oh, these guys are doing this and that's a really good idea. And then, you know, maybe help someone else. And so that kind of thing, obviously not with IP and that sort of thing. And like, mm. here's the source code to this person. No, it's not like that. It's more like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. these guys a, have a, a person I picked up, just borrow them. <laughs> yeah. It's more like, oh, these guys have got a really good idea about using this particular tool. Maybe mm -hmm. this is the same sort of tool that you can use here. It's freely available. It's open source. Use it. You know, that yeah. kind of thing. And so being able to speak with a large number of people and being able to see a, a lot of what's going on, the kind of a bird's eye view of the industry is really helpful. And yeah. so it does allow me to see where different organizations are on their, you know, on their journey as well and to be able to um, quickly identify some of the things that an organization can do to, mm -hmm. to step up. As for me, I'm, I'm continually learning. So in the same way that someone's reading a book, I'm usually doing some kind of online course in the background all the oh, time. Yeah. What kind of courses are you doing? Uh, so, for instance, um, one that I did last month was a, a data engineering specialisation through Coursera. Um, I had a, a bit of time. And if you plug away at it for an hour or so a day, it quickly, you can quickly get these things knocked over uh, pretty well. But um, that, was, that was really good. And so I'll, I will go uh, down the path uh, of doing some other ones as well. Um, and so I just tend to have these going all the time. Um, yeah, you just got something and you don't necessarily, I, well, certainly in my case, I don't always get through the end of them, but the beginning stuff is like, oh, yeah, this is great, this is great, this is great. Do I need to finish it? No. Like you said, 80-20. <laughs> That's right. Sometimes you're just pulling information out. So when I started doing a lot of public speaking, for instance, I saw that there was a public speaking specialisation on Coursera. Now, I didn't get the qualification, but I watched all the lectures, every single yeah. one of them, and then started implementing some of that and then doing a lot of the, the speaking work that I do. So uh, whatever you got any tips for the public speaking for the for the data analysts who who hate this kind of stuff? What did you What did you What's your big tip? The the biggest thing that I learned was it's it's a, a spoken medium. Like so, it, as opposed to writing, a lot of people do is they'll just write something on a piece of paper and go, "Oh yeah, I've got it," and then they'll their, their actual presentation will be the practice one, <laughs> and that's just not great. And so um, I do public speaking in the same way that I write software. And so it's like an agile development. So I try it out. I'll, I'll pace around here and I'll, I'll see how it sounds. And I'll see if I'm hitting points, what sounds natural, what doesn't, what sounds a bit janky. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes I get my wife to, um, to listen into it, even though it's painful for her beyond belief. And she'll say, yeah, I lost you uh, two thirds of the way. And I had no idea what you were saying after yeah. that. And so that's really good. So um, anytime and, and then I'll, I'll rejig and I'll, I'll change um, my presentation based on feedback. Mm -hmm. And so by the time I'm actually getting to stand up to do it, I would have run it through at least eight to ten times and yeah. for a particularly important one, more like 20 to 30 times. Yeah. And, so, and so it sounds... It just makes perfect. Well, yeah, yeah, it's going to sound natural and polished because yeah. it's been rehearsed massively. And so not, not um, every single word, but the main points I'll have... I'll, yeah. I'll have them there and I might have a little card that I'll take in, but I'll never really need, need it. So, um, but that's it, just the intuitive development over time. And so just practice, practice, practice. And yeah, I, I, um, I just last week actually was running a presentation skills program for a cancer charity. Uh, and basically my, the, the thing, exactly what you've just said is like preparation isn't practice. If you're a researcher and you've got a thousand things to say, don't think you can just walk in there and dump your research because you're not going right. to get it done in the 15 minutes you're, you get given That's to right. explain. Um, you've got to practice it after you've prepared it or, as you say, prepare iteratively so that yeah. what you end up with is something that kind of hits the three points you really want to make because that's about That's all right. the time you got. That's it. And so it's always a case of trimming stuff down. So you'll yeah. have your – I'll always have my, my um, draft and I'll say, okay, these are the – five points and, and then you're right. Then I go, oh, actually, I can't cover the last two. No. I'm going to have a problem. It's going to have to just be three solid points and that's it. Mm. Um, yeah. So, and then expanding those points as well. So there might be little sub points, but um, yeah, that's the way I kind of structure it. Yeah. And, nice. Um, yeah. So uh, over time, um, and, and the other thing as well is that people don't realize, and I really sucked at this as well, is I, I really sucked at conferences. Mm -hmm. And so I thought that the conference was about doing the presentation. So I'd be in my room, I'd be terrified, I'd be going through it like 30 times and terrified. Yeah. But everything around the conference is about networking, meeting people, making friends. Yeah. And this 
is really just an excuse to be there. And so that's what I kind of do now. So I kind of like just hang out and, and have a drink with people and have a laugh and then, oh, yeah, i got to do my speech. And so it's just, I guess that comes as well with time as well, being yeah. less worried about that stuff. Look, I, I used to find that when I ran, ran co- a similar concept, similar con- cos- similar idea, in that uh, I knew that I was there. I knew that I was there to meet people, but nobody wanted to speak to me until I'd spoken. Once I'd spoken on stage, everybody wanted to speak to me because they had a reason to talk to me. Um, so now, I, if I possibly can, I try to get early in this in this bit. So then someone will say, "Oh, I saw you. I wanted to ask you a question about that." And suddenly they've got something to ask and I've got something to ask. And it's not just small talk. It's actual, um, you know, I've got an interest in the topic you're talking about. But, yeah, conferences are tricky. What, what kind of conferences do you go to? Oh, so they're mainly like AI, data analytics type conferences mm-hmm. that are around the place. Um, yeah, sometimes they've been in Sydney. Sometimes if they've had, um, like my friend JT Cosman, he, he's uh, come mm-hmm. over to Australia a couple of times. He dragged me along to, to different things, which is good. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to interview him actually next week. I, I'm not sure how I got to him, but I found JT and next week I'm podcasting him. So. Oh, he's <laughs> Amazing. He's, oh, he's a hilarious guy and a good value and yeah. really like it. Really, really likable uh, fella. And um, yeah, he really has uh, taken me under his wing a lot and helped me out nice. massively. So, yeah, yeah, just a nice guy. And um, just someone that I met through LinkedIn and then seeing him in, in person was fantastic and listening to his presentations. You've got to listen to his presentations. He's terrific. Like he's yeah. master. Like, um, yeah, I'm, I'm nowhere near that. He's like, mm-hmm. he's like Jedi and I'm like early Luke Skywalker type. <laughs> As long as you're not Yoda, it's fine. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's Yoda. Yeah, he's... Because uh, yeah. no, no, nobody understands when Yoda, Yoda talks, his whole syntax is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, if you want to see someone who's truly professional, it's, yeah, it's even his, his yeah. writing as well as his speaking and just everything that he does, he's really, he's really an impressive guy. Fabulous. Excellent. Well, I look forward to speaking to him on the podcast soon. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he'll teach me about my pug dogs and about the kangaroos that are, that are in my backyard that I'm scared of and all that sort of thing, but with good reason because... <laughs> Like they're over six feet and angry. Yeah. Oh. Well, I, yeah. I wouldn't want to tangle with 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 kangaroos and any. You know. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> throw them some food. That's right. <laughs> I want to look at them and photograph them, but I don't necessarily want to be amongst them. I think that would be just a little bit. Yeah, even the dogs the dogs want to bark at them but then they look at them and go oh no actually I probably won't. Yeah. 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 You've got those big cloy paw things that could just like probably yeah. kill me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so you talk, you're talking about um, your your key or your tip for presentations. What about complex explanations? Explaining, you know, like we said with the researchers, they've got a whole heap of stuff, and it's the same with data. You find all these great ideas, but how do you cut it down, or what what do you do to make it simple enough, but no simpler? Yeah, I think that's a tough one as well. And I think in, in my mind, it really depends on the audience and who mm-hmm. you're presenting to, to be able to sort mm-hmm. out their level of understanding and to be able to work out that bridge or that divide that you need to cross to get your points to, to them. And so if it is a colleague or someone in, in the team, then you don't need to water things down so much mm-hmm. because they can familiar with the techniques and your kind of work. But if it is someone like, you know, someone that's lay or someone who doesn't really know what's going on or mm-hmm. you presenting to the local business chamber or something like that, then you won't be able to make or hit the same points Mm -hmm. or as many as you would for your team because they're going to require uh, more definitions and that sort of um, basic understanding. And so they won't be able to cross that divide so much as um, a, a really, you know, an audience is more familiar with that sort of work. Exactly. So if you were going to have to explain, say, to a stakeholder who'd commissioned some work from you, what the output was or what the answer is or what, is, what how would you go about making that simple enough but not too simple yeah you probably would want to even like wind it back from the so what or in mm-hmm. terms of dollars or savings or full-time um right or, or like you know how many um hours of work saved or that sort of thing and then to that's because that's really a headline that's what they care about that's yeah. why they're there <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. that's what do it for me faster smarter nicer yeah exactly that's right and so then winding back from that, and it's kind of like almost like an appendix at the end. Oh, by the way, this is the stuff that we, we did to do it. And then it's just a point form because yeah. no one really cares. Like, no. In, in that setting, no one really gives a damn. And so um, even in a report that you give, you would have it as an, as an appendix, like, oh, this is the methodology based on yeah. that particular. Nobody wants to know about the methodology. They don't want to know your statistical validity or anything like that. They want to know what do I do next? It's yeah, um, yeah, you save it for questions as well. You can just say, look, if anyone is interested in 
understanding more about the methodology, feel free to ask questions or see me afterwards. But this is at a high level what we did. We took some data. We did something amazing to it. Here's the result. Like that's cool. <laughs> Exactly. And the answer is blue. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. But yeah, it's a bit of the Jerry Maguire show me the money type yeah, thing. In, in totally, exactly. In suits, um, Harvey Harvey in suits at one point says to the young apprentice, Jedi Knight, whatever he is, um, this is not high school maths. Don't show me your workings. Show me the answer. Like, I don't okay. care how you got there. Like, once we've verified that you know how to get there, I don't need you to explain how you got here because I just want to know, is it blue or pink? That's the answer. Which wire do I cut? Red or green? I don't want to know how you analyse that. Yeah. And that's right. And that's, and that's something as well that would take time for someone just starting out in the field to really discover it. And it's quite crushing when you do discover it that no one really cares about your work. Yeah. Um, they really care about the impact that it has. Exactly. A select few understand what you're doing. And even amongst them, they don't actually want to know how you, what you did because they just want, still want to know the answer. Exactly. Yeah. It's... Um, and it's an interesting, I was having a conversation, um, Helen Lawson-Williams, who's been on the podcast before, we had a conversation just last week. She was talking about her belief that somehow, somewhere in the schooling system, we were taught that we need to show what we know. Yep. Then we come to yep. business and business basically says, I don't want to know what you know. I want to know what I need to do, be or have to get out of the hole or meet the challenge or deal with the problem or, you know, improve my world. Um, That's right. And I don't know, I mean, that, that shift is really hard for people to make, especially smart people spent their lives researching things. That's yeah. right, yeah. And I think, I think people are buying solutions. That's what they really care. Yes. They really care about solutions yeah. to the problem. Um, and they're not going to buy, you know, research really or not, not really. no. <laughs> And the shame of it is if you put it in a shiny package and you make the fonts really pretty, um, sometimes pretty ordinary solutions get adopted because they seem better packaged. Yeah. And not the answer, but they seem like they are. And that's kind of sad. Well, yeah, I have a a friend, a New Zealand uh, programming buddy, and he's a, a great guy, but he said as well when he's doing a software project that what tends to happen is if he makes some huge change in the back end that can't be seen in the front end, no one really cares, even though it would be quite amazing what he can do. He can optimise performance of the site. Mm-hmm. It can be incredible um, work he's done. I bet I know where you're going with this. Yeah, <laughs> keep going. It makes it so that the graph that the uh, the colour bars might animate or something like that, or he picks a really nice colour or makes it all shiny at the front end. That's when he, that's when he earns his dollars. That's when he's like, exactly. it's it's all in the front end, and anything else is just jam. That's right. And so the corollary of that for software teams, because again, I, I have had to work with dev teams and even doing some dev work uh, myself from time to time, um, even front end stuff, um, is that you have the front end website reflect as best you can the back end where yeah. everything is so that when someone's looking at it, they because they, they, if they see that you've done the front end first, it's perfect. It's like, great, the thing's ready to go. And you're like, no, 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 that's just Not the front finished end. Yet. That's right. And so, but if you have like a really crappy colours at the front and really haggy, like disgusting looking charts and stuff, then that's actually probably better to reflect what's happening in the back end. And so the problem is that one of my, one of my really good friends, he would have like hot pink and those sorts of colours in the bar charts to reflect that they're works in progress. And sometimes his feedback would be, you know, I don't know about the front end, but that pink colour, we love that. <laughs> <laughs> So, so are you saying the savvy developers and the savvy kind of researchers who are setting up interfaces will have the real thing just ready to turn on like that and everything looks like shit until they're ready to turn on the front end and then they go, oh, hang on, just got a few more. There you go. There's that pink. <laughs> Push one button. We're fixed. We're done. You're brilliant. We'll pay you double. <laughs> No, but it's, it's kind of funny when you see that. You do see the, um, again, because I've worked with um, a few few dev teams to see mm. some of the, the fights that they have and see some of the way that they have to, uh, yeah. to, to do it. And then when you, when you see different people doing different things to try to communicate to stakeholders, mm-hmm. that, that seems to be pretty effective. And mm-hmm. so, again, it's just a benefit of being around a few different projects. And a few different Absolutely. Industries. And doing some stuff in dev and then doing some stuff in data analytics is you, you're kind of carrying across, like we said before, that cross-pollination, that cross-seaming of... Um, Cross seeding of of ideas, it's kind of cool. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. yeah Go on but you wouldn't want me to to build a website. It would be disgusting. It'd be horrible. It'd be, oh, be no. 
<laughs> but yeah, to be around those guys. There are people who do that. If you pay them money, yeah. they, them. they do that for you. Yeah, I mean, you put a gun to my head. I'll get a virtual yeah. team in the Philippines who do all my WordPress for me. Why would I even consider doing that myself? Exactly. <laughs> you got to know how to brief them, though. If you don't know how to brief them, then you get into real hot water. Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, what about? Oh, so, this is a question that's kind of a little bit off different. What's your favourite charity? A favourite charity. Um, I, I'm really keen on on anything to do with like. I, I guess um, there's a, there's a few that come to mind, but um, really keen here um, with kids sport and especially girls in okay. sport. Um, yep. That's probably a really good thing as well. I've noticed that the um, the, the women's NBA are, are pushing a whole heap of stuff out about girls playing basketball because you see the participation rates of girls in sport compared to uh, boys in sport, and they kind of fall off a cliff when after the, uh, girls are about like 13, 14. Right, yeah, yeah. And I've got two daughters, so I'm really keen in for them to, I mean, we, we homeschool the, the girls. Yeah. My, my wife homeschools them. I take them for their code half an hour every morning. I, you know, I read to them and um, I, I play basketball with them. We go skateboarding. They go surfing with me. They do a whole heap of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I really want them to be able to do all that stuff and to have the fun that I've had with sport yeah. and with work and with everything and to have those same opportunities, whether it's on the sporting field or at work or anything like that um, because, you know, I, I've, it sounds pretty bad, but... Um, uh, f- for me to get where I am, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm over six foot, I'm white, mm-hmm. I speak with, with the Australian accent in Australia. It's been a pretty easy run compared yes. to what it would have been had I been, you know, had a different set of circumstances. And I really don't want that for my, for my daughters. And yeah. so uh, what I really like is an even playing field uh, for, for them. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Nice. Sporting charity. Cool. Yeah. Um, what about lessons learned? What is there anything that you'd kind of go, gee, this was the best lesson? I mean, you've been kind of been, you have been giving words of wisdom all the way through, but is there some, oh. you know? I, I really like the idea of done being better than perfect. That That's probably a really big thing as well. And it wasn't just me. It was one of my mates who, who said that. But um, I think that's, um, and I think he actually ripped it off someone from Google or Facebook or something like that. But I think that's um, a really good thing is that if, if you're putting out like a blog or you're putting out like a post on LinkedIn, you could spend a week agonizing over it. Or, you know, as you, one of my mates does, you could you could write a blog a blog article while you're on the treadmill, like for half an hour. <laughs> you're dictated to your phone while walking yeah. on the beach, yeah. That's right. And so um, getting it out there and getting it done, and look, it's going to suck. Most of what you do is going to suck. Um, but at least having a go and getting it out there and not agonizing over it um, mm. is, is really important. And and so for me and for, for my business as well, content marketing here mm-hmm. uh, is really important because there's no real businesses that will need me for 500 kilometers like yeah no. <laughs> it's just not around and so that's how i get my work is through content marketing getting stuff out there and you know writing and all that sort of stuff and so i need to produce a fair bit of work to get work which is kind of funny um but yeah having it done having it out there is so much more important than it being absolutely polished and impeccable um, because there's a schedule i need to stick to to be able to get stuff out and that you just can always go great. back and fix the spelling errors later you can get a virtual yeah. assistant to do that for you. Spell check every LinkedIn post that I've made in the last week. They go do it. It's done. It's fixed. It's it's finished. Let's face it. The problem, well, the problem and the beauty of social media stuff is, it's disposable. Yeah. No one's going yeah. back to look at what you wrote three years ago. I mean, it's That's there, it. but no one's. Eventually, someone will mine it to write your autobiography. To write your autobiography, your biography, um, at some point. <laughs> like yes, here is history. Nick's history. By social media post, you know, you can see evolution from like some kind of um, doc. Actually, that would be a cool documentary. We're just oh. going to show you his social media posts. <laughs> the, the earlier stuff would be terrible and even the current stuff isn't fantastic, but it's it's out there and, and yeah. it does resonate with people. And so it's yeah. kind of good to be able to say to someone, you know what, you encouraged me to, to apply for a data science job and I did and I got it. So thank yeah. you. And I, I do get those sorts of messages. Mm-hmm. So yeah, even as recently as yesterday like there was a a, a lady i had a chat to because she because you know i don't mind she having approached you yeah yeah and um yeah she said oh i'm going to research i'm going to do a phd in machine learning and i said hang on you've already got one phd just apply for the damn job yeah yeah I've not, 
just do it. And so, yeah, she got the job. <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> again, you know, progress is better than perfection. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You'd spend your, your entire time getting a master's or a PhD, or you could just have a go now. Or you could go to Coursera, enroll, get the, get the, the words and then apply for the job or even apply for the job before you've done the Coursera thing. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What about you? Sorry, what are your thoughts on that? I was going to ask you the same question. I'm just curious about what. In terms of what what lessons learned, you mean, or in terms of progress perfection? Same same sort of boat that I'm in, doing your own thing and consulting over a long period of time. Like, what what advice would you have for different people? I'm I'm just curious to hear your 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 thoughts. Wow. (laughs) Well, I did write a whole book that then became six books and then became eleven books on how to set up your own consultancy. So I've been talking about this since 1999 when the first book came out. I don't do the one-on-one stuff with consultants anymore, but I did write like a mm, couple of hundred thousand words on it to distill it down to one thing. I I, I agree totally with what you've just said. Um, stop thinking you have to get an, especially for women. I don't know why. Women seem to think, oh, if I haven't got a degree, I can't do that. Well, yes, you bloody can. As you said, yeah. a, a, um, a landscape gardener can do this really, can do data really well. And if they can do it really well, we didn't have to say, where's your PhD in? Um, for me, the, the interesting thing is to do what we do in terms of being independent and entrepreneurial and, you know, solo operators and, and do that stuff. Part of what I love is the, the difference and the variety that that offers. And for many people, they don't want that. They want dependability and they want the salary that comes in. Um, and so a lot of people, they want to do the PhD because they think that's the safe road. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's, what, what should people be doing? I think they should be doing what suits them. But also, I didn't choose this. It choose, choose, it choosed me in that, <laughs> you know, I left a safe job and then someone said, would you like this contract? And I went, sure. And then someone else said, well, what about this contract? And then I started asking and looking for contracts. And, you know, 27 years later, I'm still looking for contracts. And, yeah, as you say, the, the social media marketing on that is, has changed in its nature very much. But it's still people that get me jobs. It's not, it's not, I mean, somebody just rang me, you know, you get those constant, um, the people who don't have their own business don't know this, but we get constant calls about, oh, we've just noticed your website doesn't have SEO and uh, we'd love to do that for you and you're probably missing out. We've estimated you're missing out on 20,000 phone calls a day and you go, no, (laughs) fucking not. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that estimate. I don't know what numbers you've based that on. Somebody rang me and said, I've noticed that that this website that you've got is, uh, it's, it's, um, you know, you don't, you haven't listed it on Google business. I'm like, well, A, I've closed that business down and I'm just waiting for the domain name to expire before I throw it away. B, Google business, people don't buy consulting services from going to a website for Google business. No one ever goes, oh, look, you know, I need some coaching from my senior level execs. You know what? I'll just Google that. And, oh, look, here's a business that does it that's got a post office box in Newtown. I think that'll be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. I mean, that, that's exactly the point. And, I mean, the, it's really hard as well because I think an education piece has to come first before you're doing your consulting. So it is usually yeah. being chatting to people and working out what they want and where you fit in. So it's, it really is a huge piece before um, actually you – and it could be, you know, three months, six months or even longer before you get pen to paper and you get some work. 20 years. I've had leads <laughs> that have taken 20 – so I worked – when I worked, my first consulting world job was with Accenture, as I said before, sorry, which was Anderson Consulting at the time. And there was like 40 of us all started at the same time. I learned to program in COBOL. Yay. Oh, wow. I hated it. <laughs> But it was interesting because my first degree, my first degree is in French. I have a degree in French and linguistics and social sociology and also Japanese. Um, so lots of languages, but not, you know, I didn't do any programming or anything. So here was me with 39 other people who'd been recruited. About 30 of them were, you know, IT people, right? They knew how to program in COBOL. It was purely, you know, this is the job I want. Um, but uh, one of the other arts graduates who was in the program with me, for 20 years, she said to me, I must have you in, I must have you in. And then she did have me in about six weeks before she left the organisation, but that was my first data science 
uh, like my first working with data scientists, um, 2003, 2004, but it'd been 20 years. And wow. that's my longest lead time. <laughs> um, so, you know, and you can never know what's going to bring the next job. Um, mm. You know, maybe a podcast. <laughs> that's right. And so it's just the is, is banging the drum and is finding out what's there. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, for me as well, it's it's kind of interesting in, in my line of work too because, um, and, and I do, I do speak to people and if someone offers, if someone is, reaches out for advice, I do try yeah. my best to answer them. But I do sometimes get people sending me like their company data and saying, hey, Nick, I'm at work right now and I'm having problems with this. What? And I'm like, oh, dude, you could get us both into a No. I'm going to delete this. Please don't send this again. Please don't. Because, I mean, there's got to be a line somewhere, right? There's like, got to be a line. Oh, my God, their boss would fire them on the spot, surely. Yeah, and so that's the kind of thing. But there's sometimes people in my line of work, they expect you to work for free. And so oh, it's just... In everybody's like, line of work. I do not know a single consultant who hasn't said, somebody rang me and I was being helpful and then I noticed that I'd spent a week working on this and I hadn't got any money from that. So That's right. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, yeah well, I'm yeah, one of my big things is how to say no nicely and how to say no. So I actually run a program called How to Make No Sound Like a Yes because in corporate it's, it's pretty much like you're a free resource because you're an internal consultant. Yeah. We're already paying for you so we want you to do more and more and more and more and more. And the nice data scientists, the nice internal consultants just run themselves ragged and get emotional, uh, sorry, uh, what's it called? Generosity burnout. Yeah. Um, and... It's the same for me and I've clearly for you too. There's sometimes you just have to draw a line and go, that's really cool, but that's what I get paid money to do. Yeah, that's right. Even with the um, like regional innovation startups, like I'm a real fan of that and, and here in yeah. regional Queensland, we have a problem with unemployment. It's a massive problem. Yeah. And so if you go to, um, you because know, the, the council do get me as like the only person that's like an entrepreneur here doing stuff to come yeah. in whenever they have like a mayor or someone who's coming along and trying to, but you sort of, you're looking around the room and it's like, well, you're getting paid 150 grand. You're getting paid 120 grand. You're getting paid. You're getting paid. You're getting paid. You're getting paid. I'm and I'm doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everything's on me for actions. So I probably don't want to be part of this one. Sorry. And so that comes across being really bad, but you know, they kind of guilt you into it. And it's like, hang on guys. I'm, yeah, come come over to my place on the weekend and paint my fence if you want me to help out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, so yeah, you do have to draw a line somewhere. Yeah, and because there's so much stuff that needs to be done, and so many people who have such little understanding of, especially of stuff like data, where it's like everybody wants data, but nobody understands what it is. Like I said, I, if I have to explain it to a client what data is, and she's a very well-qualified person working in a drug company where they access data all the time and she doesn't know, I mean, bloody hell, what's what's the council going to do? They just don't know anything. But, yeah, it's that, it's that balancing the doing and the consulting, which is hard. The advice, it can be free. But Taki Moore, um, who uh, does a lot of programs for coaches, talks about, uh, you know, that friend who says, oh, I'm going to become a consultant. Will you, can I pick your brain? And you go to a coffee shop and you dump everything and they don't take notes and they don't do anything you've asked them to do. And then you go, well, that was a waste of my total life, wasn't it? Yeah, that's true. That's true. And so, I mean. Yeah, when I've been on boards and things like that, I'm sure you've got this. It's the same thing as the council. You're kind of going, hang on. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah so so i mean and that's again uh, jt my friend's advice as well he said you know if you're good at something don't do it for free and that's like the joker thing the joker mean you know never be good yeah. at something never do it for free and, he, and he's right you know because you have to you know you, you, your kids gotta eat like you know otherwise if if you're doing things for free it's like oh sorry girls you can't do taekwondo classes because daddy's doing things for free and so it's just yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you put it that way it doesn't sound right does it It just doesn't sound right no yeah yeah and so like there's but it's kind of a fine line between helping people out but then like helping them out with procurement or seeing contracts go to kpmg and you know all that sort of stuff and then them getting you to sign off on contracts from kpmg for nothing and then just like no, I'm not going to do that because that's yeah, risking yeah. me for zero dollars. And so come back to me with something and then we can kind of go ahead. So it's really weird sometimes. And um, But, again, for someone learning or someone who's aspiring, absolutely hit me up. 
But if you're a business and you got money, then yeah, I do need to see dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And it's yeah, it's it's that it is. But we want to help. I mean, yeah. I was reading something yesterday that talks about that. You know, you get. I think it's the, the number they said was post forty. People start to go, how can I give back rather than who can I, what can I. When I can I become, it becomes how can I give back and help others become? And that's certainly been the case for me over 40 that I've gone, like, how do I how do I give back? How do I help? Um, but yes, that you can't get that confused with how do I go broke? Help that's, right. <laughs> that's 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 true. But um, I mean, like that's um, there's still there's there's some really even out here, there's some really amazing people doing a lot for the community. Mm. And so, um, yeah, and some of them as well, like I think uh, if they could get thrown a few dollars, like it would really support their business and it would allow them to do some more stuff to the community as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it is really important for organisations like local councils who really are like the big business around here to support local entrepreneurs with consulting work and stuff to mm-hmm. enable them to do their thing and yeah. so that they keep keep going. And not necessarily me uh, because I'm getting different work from different places, but there are some people in who are doing it pretty tough. Yeah. Um, yeah local community and when they see contracts for what they're doing whether it's you know installing cables whatever they're doing go to places in brisbane then it's really upsetting it is yeah yes exactly well and and i've got friends who live in the central coast and since you were there back in you know they would be like why are we bringing someone up from sydney when we could (laughs) do this locally why why are we getting someone from Newcastle when we could do this locally? Why are we getting someone from Brisbane when we could be, yeah. And I think that's, yeah, mm, the world is an interesting place. It is. It's a challenging place. But um, look, I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy um, being here in, in that it's, uh, it, it does come with its challenges, but I think being out somewhere in the sticks like this, it does make you by nature more entrepreneurial because you, you have to do this to survive because you yeah. just... You, you know that for me, my, my work's going to come from the cities. I'm nowhere near a city. I've got to do something smart. And yeah. so that's been really beneficial to, to yeah. my business. And you have a virtual assistant or some, you have someone who doesn't live with you who, who looks after your calendar? My, my wife is brilliant. And that's, that's who, who Leslie is. She's my, my ah, wife. And so okay. she is um, a, a nurse. And so by trade, but she's also got you know business and law background. She's had her own consulting company from you know, young age and stuff. And so uh, she she dropped that to have have kids and stuff. But um, but yeah, she organises my life. Um, she right. does. She manages uh, a lot of what I do. Uh, some some days where it's all too much and I'm about to cry. She writes on down Wednesdays my usually on Wednesdays. <laughs> <laughs> she's she'll she'll write down on the whiteboard this is what you need to do today and so yeah. she'll she'll drag me out of the hole and so um oh. we're pretty good together like yeah That's she really fabulous. Mass, massively massively helps me out and so without her i think i'd be in a lot of trouble um, yeah and so on top of you know running a house and homeschooling the girls and growing our own fruit and vegetables and looking after seven chickens and all that sort of stuff she's yeah she's pretty amazing amazing wow. girl Oh, that's yeah. fabulous. To have someone who supports yeah. you like that is just wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I write code, but she takes care of the website because she's just better. <laughs> so, so she does. Okay, I'm going to record that and send it to her, just that little bit. She's better. Yeah. And so oh. I'm not hearing that. <laughs> or does she already know? You already know. She oh, already knows that you know. Knows yeah, yeah. Anything that looks like design as well, she takes care of. Um, oh, I love it. People, there's... There's, there's a lot that she does that um, is hugely valuable. Uh, and I don't, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just great. Like I don't have to, uh, she, she even manages the accounts and, and, and the money. Uh, the only problem is if I go to, go to play basketball, I have to ask her for $20. Like, you know, <laughs> 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 I'm in a bar with my brother and it's my round. I've got to, I've got to call in $40, that kind of thing. But <laughs> she, she manages all that. So it's, it's really <laughs> Very <laughs> That's fabulous. <laughs> so have you got any, uh, aside from everybody needs a Leslie, um, yes. have you got any advice as a final kind of word, advice for data, would-be data scientists or advice for data science leaders? Uh, I don't know about uh, advice. I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, we're, we're kind of like actually 2.0s, you know. We're, we're out there just trying to solve business problems. And so I think that involves a, a mixture of skills, uh, talking to people, thinking about problems, thinking about uh, dollars and cents. And at the end of the day, like the, the icing on the cake, the very last thing is the particular model that you're going to develop. So much of it is understanding the data, understanding what you're trying to do, wrangling data, thinking about the different pipelines and flows, and then 
everyone gets excited about the model development, but really the model de development is the last finish. Thin slice. Yeah. <laughs> and so I don't know why that's there's so much emphasis on it in you know testing for skills or even for education because it really is not critical. Everything leading up to it is critical in my mind. And mm -hmm. so I think don't focus on that icing on the cake. Just everything else is mm -hmm. is really critical. Yeah, yeah. One of uh, Chris Carr, who I interviewed a couple of weeks ago, published a couple of weeks ago, uh, worked for a major bank in pricing, and he basically said if he were to start a pricing uh, analytics team now, he would go for business people and teach them the data stuff they needed to know, um, because yeah. they have that contextual awareness, and it means that they come in with what's the problem we're trying to solve here, rather than coming in with how can I use my new toy. Um, which probably isn't true for a lot of people, but yeah, it's that, that's the feeling you get, isn't it? It's like, I got a toy. I want to use this toy. I want to see. Well, I mean, you get um, business people and you get domain experts and you get uh, really good leaders and you get some data scientists and programs and programs together and, yeah. and collectively they can make and you something. can solve anything. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that's the key. I'm, I'm aware that you probably need to dash a Rooney pretty soon. but um, I'm just looking at my clock and going, I got a four o'clock, but I'm, uh, thank you so much for talking to me on a Wednesday. No, no problem. So okay. I do hope that it has recorded properly. Um, <laughs> but if not, we can just re-record. Thank you so That's much. No it's problem. been fun. We will be in touch. We'll keep in touch. Absolutely, Cindy. Thank you so much. And, and thank you for um, making my least favourite day of the, the week so much better. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thanks. This is Cindy Tonkin, I'm the Consultant's Consultant, and you've been listening to Smarter Data People. This is part of what I do to understand how it is that data scientists can be more effective in the workplace, smarter, faster, and nicer. And if you have a team and you're finding them harder to manage than they could be, if you're constantly trying to squeeze more out of your budget and out of their time, and if you've got stakeholders or they've got stakeholders who are less than happy sometimes, maybe a lot more than sometimes, it can be really annoying and it can make you feel incompetent. I can help you help them get to the important problems faster, target the wasted time and save you time and money, and ultimately delight stakeholders so that you can feel competent again. It's such a good feeling. Talk to me.